Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller, and alongside me from the Everything F1 team today, we do have Sean. Hi, Sean. How are you? Very well, thanks. Good to be back. It is good. What have you been up to this week? Anything exciting? Trying to understand how the FIA actually works, and (laughs) I've got myself into just such an endless spiral of confusion trying to figure it out. (laughs) You and me both. You and me both. Yes. No doubt we'll talk about that in our review. We've got a couple of other people to introduce first. Hiya, Steph from the Everything F1 team. Hi, James. You okay? Yeah, not too bad. What have you been up to this week? Yes, pretty much the same as Sean, to be fair with you. I'm still trying to take everything in. Red Bull are champions now. This is, Mm -hmm. you know... As a uh, Red Bull fan, that must be good news for you. It's great. It's brilliant. Yeah, so, well, I mean, we've got a lot to discuss, and I'm sure we'll go into that again in the review of the race. We've also got a lovely guest alongside us today. If you're watching live on Facebook, you might recognise the face from the W Series. It's Chloe Chambers. Hiya, Chloe. How are you? Hi, James. How are you? I'm well. I'm really good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for asking. So for anyone that might not know who you are, might not recognise the face or the voice, can you give us a little kind of intro about who it is and what you do in the wonderful world of motorsport? Yeah, sure. So obviously my name is Chloe Chambers. This year I raced in the W Series Championship and prior to this in 2021, I raced in the Formula 4 United States Championship and just prior to that since 2012 I've just been racing go-karts throughout North America. Wow, okay. So have you had a good season so far? You've obviously been with Jenna Racing and and Jamie Chadwick, so it's a pretty intimidating team I would say to line up against. It was definitely a fun year. Definitely had a lot of good experiences, learned a lot, developed throughout the year. Unfortunate that the season didn't quite get to the end, but yeah. you know, I was I was really looking forward to going back to my second home race of the year and I mean just being able to show my progression through the whole year. Mm. But I mean, I still learned a ton that I can bring forward with me to any other form of racing that I've done, so it's definitely been a productive year. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about that towards the end of the podcast after our review. But uh, thank you very much for joining us today on the pod. We are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, pretty much everywhere. We are also on our shiny website, www.everythingf1.com. You're also listening to us on this podcast. We would love it if you were to hit the subscribe button on your podcast streaming service so you get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop okay well let's go into the u.s grand prix review then because i gotta say it was a fantastic race and this is what an american race should look like for formula one this has got everything that we wanted 
lots of action, lots of talking points. And of course, we crowned a, a championship winning team as well over the weekend. So we'll go to, let's go to Steph first. In, initial thoughts on the US Grand Prix. Positive? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it was a really good race. Not just obviously as, as a Red Bull fan, but just in general, I think it was a really good race and very entertaining to watch. It was, absolutely. There was loads of action up and down the race, really. And I think it was like a world champions race, actually, because all the world champions on the grid did something excellent. So that was always interesting and entertaining to watch. We'll go to Chloe then. Initial reactions of the US Grand Prix? It was definitely action-packed, and it's really good to see that. And I think that I've driven on Coda, at Coda before, and that mm. track is a really great track for racing. And so it was good to see so much going on during the race. It was good to see Mercedes back up fighting for like possibly a win. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it was a very cool race to watch. It was. Just to summarize it from Sean's side, I'm going to say it's going to be positive again. I think if you'd have said to a Formula One fan in the mid-2000s that not too long in the future, we will all be properly looking forward to, excited for, and delighted about the US Grand Prix, <laughs> they wouldn't have believed you, would they? Or at least mm. one of the US Grand Prix. Coda is a brilliant track. It always puts on a good race. We've had some absolute stormingly good classics here since 2012. And this was no different. This was one of the best races of the season. It was, yeah. I, I can't disagree with you in any any way, shape or form. It was a, a fantastic race. And we, we did crown the Constructors' Champions, so we've got to talk about that. Unfortunately, Red Bull lost their owner, Dietrich Mateschitz, earlier in the weekend on Saturday. That was a downer on, on the Red Bull's weekend, but I think it drove them forward and made them you know, want that win even more. So we send our condolences to the Mateschitz and Red Bull family, but congratulations on the Constructors' Championship win. Chloe... Are you happy to see Red Bull be Constructors' Championships for the first time in however many years? Is it eight years now? Nine. Nine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's definitely good to see different teams kind of fighting for the championship. The whole Mercedes era has kind of sort of come to a little bit of an end now. Mm. I wouldn't say like a permanent end, but for this year, at least, it's good to see like Ferrari and Red Bull finally be able to fight for the top position. And mm. it's been such a long time since Red Bull's won a constructors championship. And I think it, it was pretty cool to see them win it again. It was. And you know what? I, I'm not the biggest Red Bull fan. I, I completely appreciate everything that Red Bull do. I'm not one of these people that hate the like, like some people on social media and across social platforms. But even I, as a British fan that maybe wanted Lewis Hamilton to win, at the end of it, when I saw all the emotions taking over, or you know, Christian Horner taking over the drivers, taking over Helmut Marco, it meant a, an absolute the world to them to, to kind of win this constructors championship obviously for Dietrich and obviously for their hard work that they've put in over the last few years trying to get up to there do you agree Steph oh god yeah definitely and we can't forget that he didn't just help you know the current Red Bull drivers getting onto the onto the grid you know it's not just about Max and, and Perez mm. there's so many other drivers on that grid that have been through the Red Bull junior program or have you know driven for Red Bull and and have been supported by them in some shape or form mm. throughout their career. And they wouldn't be where they would be without him. And and I think I think a lot of drivers, you know, I think I saw Sebastian Vell, he was he was quite taken over by the motion yeah. towards the end of the race, you know, obviously after the race. And it was tough to see, but it was really lovely to see as well, you know, that he's not just a sponsor. He's mm. not just like a, a brand and he was an actual person and and it was it was just really lovely and touching to see. It was. Do you want to add anything, Sean? 
No, I think everybody said it pretty perfectly. I, I like yourself, wouldn't have been historically the biggest fan of Red Bull. I, I'm very much in the camp of we've had enough domination. I'm happy for anyone else to win at the moment. But if they, <laughs> if, if they start going on another run, then I'm going to become not a fan of them again. But uh, no, absolutely. Like what, what Dietrich Mattis should say for Formula One, not just with the Red Bull and Toro Rosso teams, but he's been in the sport since the 90s, all the way back with Sauber when he first came in. And what is it? Seven of the current 20 drivers owe their careers to... to Red Bull and Helmut Marco and Dietrich Mateschitz. So that that's an insane legacy. Like that's never been done before to have, you know, seven drivers on a, on a single grid all come from the same driver academy, mm. the same program, the same family, if you want to put it like that. So um, he, by all accounts, he was an extremely lovely man, very private, very quiet. But Red Bull is one of the biggest brands on the planet, one of the biggest mm. marketing companies on the planet. And as a marketing person myself, I just I, I love everything they do, not just the team, but the the company as a whole. Their their marketing stunts and their marketing campaigns have always been absolutely second to none. And I just love watching what they do. And that all is obviously all thanks to, to Dietrich Mateschitz. So sending out all the best to the the Red Bull family. It wasn't made easy for Max, was it? We had that was it 16 second in the pits for Max Verstappen? They certainly gave him a challenge this week. Chloe, were you surprised to see the Red Bull actually Red Bull team, they don't get it wrong in the pits very often. So that front left just stuck on there. It just would not come off. A very obscure mistake from the the pit crew, which doesn't happen often. Yeah, that was definitely surprising to see. I mean, Mm. Red Bull's been really good with their pit stops this year. They've had some of the quickest pit stops all year. And I mean, just... I guess seeing them make that one little mistake was a little bit surprising. It did kind of open the door for like, you know, a little bit of mix up in the field. And I was excited to see that, but Max did a really good job making his way back through. And yeah, I mean, the, the Red Bull this year has been just on point really with Mm. their car set up and everything, especially at a track like Coda, where you have some really long straights and good passing opportunities. I think had it been another track, it wouldn't have been so easy, Mm. but I mean, Coda does put on a really good show still. Yeah, it wasn't just the pit crew. You know, the other the other drivers were making it hard for him as well. He had some great battles with Charles Leclerc. Obviously, the overtake on Lewis Hamilton wasn't as simple as as he would, probably would have liked it or preferred it. But certainly, he had some battles on that on that track. Yeah. Who else do you want to talk about? Let's talk about Lewis Hamilton. It was looking like he could get his first and only win of the season so far, and it just kind of fell away from him. Steph. As a non-Lewis Hamilton fan, was it good to see Lewis Hamilton back uh, at the front? <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it, it was. It really was. And sometimes I forget that we're from the same country and that I probably should support him. And he's a great, like, driver. He's a great person. You know, I just, I, I don't know what it is. I really you don't, don't like the dominance. Is. Yes, that's what it is. And <laughs> But it was great to see. And I've been saying all season, you know, I wish I wish you'd just get, you know, one race or, or two maybe at most. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't push it too far, but, but it'd be nice <laughs> to see him up there once or twice. And, and and although I was really happy for Max, obviously I was ecstatic with the, with the result. I was a little bit sad for Hamilton and... <sighs> Sometimes I can't help but feel that like he's going to be getting himself down over this uh, situation. You know, he's not won a race all season. Mm. And I wonder what that feels like as someone who's gone from right at the top to pretty much like mid mid table. Yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't know how, how I would feel if, if I was in that position. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, they've been talking about how he's been helping develop the car. And ever since the summer break, he's, he has actually beat Georgia every single race. Sean, 
the Mercedes brought a lot of upgrades or some upgrades to the car this week, and it seemed to have a positive effect. Obviously, we've been saying throughout the year that it's going to take some shenanigans for Hamilton to kind of get to the front. And it just so happened to see quite a few shenanigans during this race. We, we, I was sitting there, I was thinking, he's going to do it today. He's going to do it today. What, what were you thinking at that time? He's definitely not going to do it today. He's definitely <laughs> not going to do it today. No, unfortunately, I mean, I've said it a couple of races now. If he's not going to do it now, he's not going to do it. But realistically, looking at what's left, that was the last chance. The car, he had a great race. I take nothing away from him. He drove very, very well. And we we haven't heard it all season, but we had a Lewis Hamilton at the front of the track, at the front of the pack, complaining about tires and then setting <laughs> fastest sectors. <laughs> Same old, same old. I can't <laughs> say I've been missing that, but I'm, I'm a little bit conflicted on my feelings about him because his record of always winning a race in every season he's ever competed in is nothing short of spectacular. And mm. I don't think I'd begrudge him continuing that till he retires. But at the same time, I, would, I, I wouldn't not smile if he lost that one. Yeah. But yeah, no, their upgrades seem to work. I think they brought a new front wing, which seemed to unlock quite a bit of pace for them. They weren't allowed to use a part of the front wing, the the, the new design. Yes, and they're hopefully going to bring that. Yeah, they're hopefully going to be able to, you know, work everything out for Mexico. They said so. There may still be another upgrade yet, but we yet to see it. So the upgrades seem to work, but is there more power and more performance in there somewhere? Yeah, we might have seen a little bit more of it had had George not smacked into Carlos on turn one. <laughs> Ouch. Um, yeah, unfortunately, as much as I love George Russell, and as I've said before, I named my cat after him. <laughs> that was, and credit to him for admitting this, that was 100% his own fault. It was a very, very late dive up the inside. Yeah, a bit of a, a stupid error, unfortunately, but this these things happen. I do think we'll see a little bit more out of them in, in Mexico. Mexico, historically, has been quite a good leveler, even when there are periods of dominance, mm. especially in the early days of the, of the V6 engines, because they just didn't have the same sort of power output on in the insane bit of of Mexico. Now, who that benefits this year, I couldn't say, but it it might toss up a bit of a a, a change in the order at the top. You know, Ferrari might have it easy. Red Bull might walk away with it, or Mercedes might win a race, even though they historically have not gone well at Mexico, Mm. but we shall see. Did you see what happened in the cool-down room after after this weekend's race? I watched a bit of it. So Charles was sat there with with Lewis, and he was like, so uh, so what happened to... To, to Carlos and he was like Lewis was like yeah George took him <laughs> and that's all he said and I was like oh dear <laughs> oh geez probably didn't, yeah. want to, didn't want to advertise it too much no and get, probably get in trouble not but um, I think I, I think George just forgot like how to drive like no, hitting the first car <laughs> I, I gotta say in fairness to him what he came out with after the race was you know he, he thought Carlos had picked a different race in line obviously okay. these things happen these, these are split second decisions aren't they and he, yeah. he knows he made the wrong one but You've got to kind of go with your gut. It's, it's that, a that shame point. for Carlos, though. I do feel bad for him. I mean, like, didn't he have a a one hundred percent like success rate of when he starts from pole, he finishes first, and because yeah, he's done it once, and and now that's gone down the drain. Unfortunately, um, yeah, it's gone down. But uh, but yeah, no. So I did feel really bad for him. You know, I I just see him as like this really cute, innocent guy like he barely really talks and he's just very like mm, yeah as, okay. as mark brundle says all too regularly unfortunately if carlos <laughs> had had bad luck if he didn't have bad luck he'd have no luck yeah i feel oh, like we we'll hear that from him as much as we hear the concertina effect these days because science <laughs> has such unbelievably bad luck mm. he does he has had a bad run the ferrari team though chloe obviously science had that terrible 
you know, but a bit of luck. He had a great qualifying, obviously planted it on pole, but obviously couldn't convert that because he got driven into by a Mercedes. But Charles Leclerc, you know, bringing it, bring, bring it back for the team and, and scoring massive points again on that podium. Yeah, I think that was a really good performance by Charles. Definitely unfortunate of what happened to Carlos and everything. But I mean, I've watched that so many times. I can kind of see what happened. I think if I were in that position, it would definitely be a little bit of a toss up between two options. I mean, it was, I think, I think it was at George's, George's hands, but it was, it was just sort of something that'll happen in racing. But yeah, I mean, the Ferrari still looked really good on track. Um, Mm. Obviously Charles started what 12th and he managed to bring it back into third. So that was a pretty good result for him, I think. And I mean, he definitely, you know, I guess showed the pace of the Ferrari. Yeah, it shows that probably Carlos Sainz, had he not had that incident on turn one, he 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 probably could have converted that into a win and kept that run going. Now let's talk about some of the other world champions then, Sean. Oh no, we'll get to Steph first. We haven't spoken to Steph properly. Some of the other world champions, Alonso and Vettel, both had absolutely magnificent performances uh, we'll talk about seb first because obviously there's a bit more nitty-gritty to talk about with alonso afterwards mm-hmm. so let's let's talk about seb what what did you think about seb oh i thought he was doing really really well and he, he led was it a couple of laps um mm-hmm. I, I was really happy about that it's a part of me really wanted him to finish you know sort of top five at least and then what was going on with that pit stop like they had this exact same situation as red bull and mm. It just all went to pot and and then he was like right down at the bottom of the pack again. And I, I just felt so bad for him, especially with obviously with him retiring this year. But but he was he was driving really, really well. And then towards the end, I think it was the last lap with was it with Magnuson. Yeah, Kevin. There was there was some real good driving there. Like I've not seen him drive like that for a long time. And it's as though he was like a well, you know, they described it, you know, you know, very aptly, you know, he was a man possessed physically and it was just brilliant to see really, really good racecraft and just great all round. It was brilliant. It was like the Seb of old, Seb, Seb from Red Bull days. He really was kind of, you know, setting the track alight and, and showing, showing us why he was a four-time world champion. Chloe, did you enjoy watching Seb and his performance this weekend? I definitely did. I was so hoping that he would come at least top five, just that pit stop. And I, I mean... I haven't really been a huge Vettel fan up until sort of recently. Always, I mean, my my favorite driver has always been Lewis Hamilton since I started watching Formula One. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I was really, really hoping Seb would do well at this race. And he was on a good track to do so, but just that pit stop. Yeah, just just his luck, I guess. But he did show some some great skill on the track itself. Sean, did you want to add anything about the wonderful Sebastian Vettel? Only that I heard a a great quote that Sebastian Vettel looks like he's driving for someone desperate for a contract next year, not someone who's (laughs) announced his retirement. That was a brilliant drive and his passion at the end on the radio it it was like he'd won the race. It was like the Seb of old in in Red Bull kind of passion, which was great to see. But no, it's it's unfortunately, it's the other multiple world champion that grabbed all the headlines, wasn't it? Yeah, go on then. Tell us what happened to Alonso. And again, he had a great kind of race. There was a, a massive incident that you can by all means talk about. But then you could almost say he was on a flyer. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. She's here all week, everyone. Uh, go on then, Sean. Break well, it down. So what it appears to be is that Haas, who have taken issue with the fact that they've been 
black and orange flag three times now for Magnussen uh, mm-hmm. with his front wing end plate because he keeps bashing them off everyone else. And neither Perez nor Alonso were shown the black and orange flag. Now, Perez, I have no quarrels with Haas complaining about because in the exact same way as every picture you'll see of Magnussen, his front wing end plate was flapping around really dangerously and then mm. fell off. And apparently it was the fact that it fell off that meant, oh, no, that's fine. It, the car is safe again. That goes, in my opinion, completely <laughs> against the spirit of the rules that, you know, they're supposed to black and orange flag it in case it falls off. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one part of it. Then they've complained about Fernando because his wing mirror was flapping around and it also fell off. Hmm. Although apparently that doesn't matter that the part fell off. So he was given a 30 second penalty after the race, which is the equivalent of a drive through penalty, which he'd been given in the race. And he was knocked out of the points. Now, this is all ridiculous because as I was watching a YouTube video and they basically said the stewards or the, the, the FIA have penalized Fernando Alonso for the stewards doing their job wrong. <laughs> yeah. Which is absolutely true. And now Alpine have appealed this, but too right as well. But not in the way you might think. So you can't appeal a time penalty. So the penalty stands. They can they can't appeal that the, the, they can't essentially retract the time penalty. What right. they have to appeal is the initial complaint. Right. Has has submitted their complaint. I think it was twenty four minutes after the deadline to submit a complaint. Oh, yeah. So this is the gripe. This is what Alpine have complained against is that well the complaint never should have been submitted in the first place. So everything should be scrapped. And but the FI apparently let the complaint happen anyway. But Alpine now have this fair response because what's the point of a deadline if the FI are just going to say ah you're come on in lads yeah we'll take your complaint here today so apparently there's going to be a meeting on Thursday in Mexico to decide whether it goes to a meeting to talk about it in Mexico <laughs> uh, do, you know- do you how much do we despise all these all this off-track politics and FIA decisions and the steward just it's you know not what? like that in any other sport do you know what? It's almost like last year wasn't really Michael Massey's fault, was it? <laughs> it's just the FIA has got fundamental flaws, I guess. But they've they've realised that they've made so many mistakes that this like swapping around and chopping and changing of the race directors, they've just decided actually no, we'll just keep with one for the remaining four races, and we're not mm. going to do that again next year. So again, without ever saying that oh, we effed up, lads, they're just they're 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 doing things that they'd only have to do if they knew they'd messed up, which mm. they have. But now Alpine have paid the price. Now, as a McLaren fan. I'm really happy about it because the gap is now only six points between Alpine and McLaren, which is very much overcomable. Uh, But in the interest of fairness, the regulations and the sport, Fernando Alonso and Alpine were absolutely robbed. And I actually kind of hope they get that overturned. Yeah, I do too, because I think the argument is obviously that it it didn't fall off or it it did fall off and it was only wobbly for a very short period of time as well. So would they have had time even to black and orange flag them and get them in? I would also argue that a razor thin shard of carbon fiber off the end of a wing is far more dangerous than a big bulk of well it's not big it's as light as a feather but like a big square wing mirror uh, the, the shard of carbon fiber would go into your helmet the wing mirror just bounce off it surely there there, there has to be so i think the fia said oh well you know the wing mirrors are there for safety because you see through them but how many times have we seen formula one cars drive whole races without either wing mirror i think jensen button did a whole race without either wing mirror once so Again, there's just uh, just a constant lack of clarity. And they're going to say they have to rewrite all the rules again for next season. It's like, you did that this year, lads. How is it still going so wrong? Oh. I think, does FIA stand for something? Forever inconsistent? 
Oh, we're not going to say the last word. But, yes. we'll, we... <laughs> but anyway, let's move on because there was lots of other you know things to talk about still. McLaren team, you've just mentioned, obviously they grabbed some extra points due to the whole Fernando Alonso thing. Were you impressed to see Lando Norris, Chloe, but also depressed to see Daniel Ricciardo, the back of the grid, not really doing much? Yeah, I was I was more surprised to see Ricardo not do so well. I didn't expect him to be that far off the pace and do so poorly throughout the entire weekend. Uh, I mean, I think Lando was right about where he should be running around the top five. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what was going on on Daniel's side. But yeah, I was definitely more surprised to see that. It's so saddening to see how how he's performing at the moment. After a good couple of races where he was level with his teammate, he just could not do anything at that car. And that's a shame because he's a massive fan of Cota, the circuit, the Texas itself, and you know the whole festival of American racecraft or whatever. Can I just say what made that even a little bit worse is mm. that Lando's car was shredded to bits by the the debris of the Alonso Stroll crash. Yeah, and he still had a full last lap Lando for about 15 laps and pulled off some incredible overtakes when Ricardo couldn't even get within sniffing distance of the slower of the two Williams is mm. really really poor weekend. Williams is Williams is yeah. <laughs> okay, well let's talk about someone else then. McLaren, I love you. Unfortunately, Danny Rick, you're just not doing it at the key moments. Unfortunately. Steph, do you want to take Alcatari's kind of synopsis away? Uh, largely anonymous from Gasly. I don't know how I feel about it. I feel <laughs> like he's given in the, te- you know what I mean? There's only what, three races left of the season. That's, that's it for him. He's leaving the team and I don't feel like the drive and passion is there as much as what it should be. He's mm-hmm. not doing as well as what he has done in the past, you know, few years, but you know, I mean, his, his counterpart did a lot better and obviously was in the points, which was great and probably needed that for a bit of morale, but yeah. Yeah, I don't really have a great great deal to say about about Gasly, to be fair with you. No, you're right. Yeah, he obviously dedicated it to Didi at the start. Didn't do much, though, in the race, unfortunately. Williams then. Go on, Sean. Uh, summarise Williams' weekend. Alex Albon needs to keep dyeing his hair, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> the blonde does it for him. The bl- blondes have more fun, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got a good race for for Alex. Did he drop out of the points at the very end? I think he did, but he did have a good race. He was on camera regularly, which is not something you could say about Williams this season or any <laughs> of the last six seasons. Unfortunately, the other one, Latifi, Latifi, Latifi. That <sighs> crash was it with Mick Schumacher? Was just like. I don't think there's any rookies on the grid this year, and that was as rookie an error as I've jo- ever seen. Joe Guanyu. You wouldn't know it. Joe Guanyu actually had a good race. Joe Guanyu's <laughs> yeah. had a good season, actually. But it's no, certainly I, better than Nicholas Latifi. I mean, he I'm... did he Latifi did at the start, and then he Latifi did again towards the end. It was like double Latifi. He spun of his own accord, didn't he? I think he gets bored. <laughs> Honestly, I'm being serious. I think he just gets bored being at the back of his He's like, do you know what? I'm just going to throw one in here and it'll just mix the whole thing up it's a shame he's a lovely guy really nice guy just this sport isn't for him he'll be better in in another series I think and it it might just click for him there I actually think that's a very good point I I genuinely could see him do quite well in like IndyCar or WEC I I do think those sorts of series especially the ones with longer races would actually suit him a bit better because strategically he's quite good on his tyres he can be quite good 
when he doesn't light them up by spinning for, you know, because he gets bored. But no, I am not surprised in the slightest that he is leaving this season, but I'd like to see him do something of interest before he goes. He has got calibre though, you know, he's he made his way into Formula 1. It wasn't just off, off of nothing at all. I think of the two billionaire sons, he is yeah. entirely the less impressive. Yeah, the Lance, less impressive, Lance, but... Lance Stroll, Lance Stroll earns his place more and his dad actually owns the damn team. Mm. Do you know? Yeah, but his dad actually, bought him the bought the team for him there's a difference I was also thinking that he nearly took out his championship winning driver in next year's championship winning driver with Stroll Stroll nearly took obviously Alonso he'd probably be having words with him he's like you're trying to kill my 40 million pound I don't think he's going to be on the Christmas card list for for his first day in, in Aston this year but no Williams what do you say Let's go to Chloe. Chloe, uh, do you know uh, Latifi? Have you had words with him or anything like that at all? Or, or can well, you uh, kind of put your finger on why he's just not worked for him in Formula One? I mean, I've never spoken to him. I mean, I've. I mean, I actually have been at races with his younger brother, but I. I don't think I've ever spoken to Nicholas Latifi. I honestly, I don't know what is just not clicking with him. I think it's just I'm not sure. Like. I guess maybe there's a lot of pressure on him to mm. do well because he comes from such a wealthy family and everything. So everybody's kind of like, that's kind of what everybody says. They're always saying that, like, you know, it was a whole joke with Lance Stroll that his dad bought him a team and now Lance Stroll's not going to do super good. Mm. But he's kind of turned that perception around. But I think a lot of the pressure on Nicholas Latifi is kind of getting to him a little bit. And I mean, he seems like a lovely guy, but mm. I... I yeah, I'm not surprised to see that he's leaving this year. No, absolutely. Yeah. Do we need to speak about Alpha Romeo and Haas? Obviously, at Haas, Kevin Magnussen's obviously had that great battle with Seb. Obviously, he said that he's enjoyed that. Schumacher, anything of note to say of Schumacher? Yeah, I, I did notice just before or just like during and after that, you know, big crash with Alonso, he mm. really like backed off there and lost a lot of. He lost a f- quite a few positions there because he w- he just bottled it. Mm completely just didn't know how to carry himself through the accident and beyond. I just, I didn't get it. I was, I watched it and then I watched the replay of the race and I was watching his car specifically and I was like, what was he doing? What was he thinking? I think it just took him a bit by surprise. He didn't know how to steer his way out of it maybe, but he lost quite a fair few grid spaces with that error. And Bottas, he he must've been a little bit bored during the race as well because... He, he wanted to beat there his was car. nothing causing that. Mm. <laughs> he just decided to go off into the pebbles. Yeah, but a solid yeah. driver on his Chinese co-driver got 11th, so sadly just outside the... Yeah. But a solid driver, and as Sean said earlier, fully proving his worth within the sport. Quick shout-out, sorry, just to, to Kevin Kevin Magnussen. He did a one-stop strategy. One of the only ones, wasn't he? Was he the only one? He was the only one yeah. in, a, in a race where everyone else could barely make their tyres last 15 minutes. He did the whole <laughs> race, the half the race on mediums. That was extremely impressive and still finished in the points and still had enough grip left to the end to, you know, send Seb round the long way on essentially brand new tires by comparison. So big shout out to, to K-Mag for that. That was very, very impressive. Really good tire management on, on the Haas is not typically good on that. Hmm. Yeah, so the US Grand Prix was a, a fantastic race. We all seem to enjoy it. I think a few political things going on that we wish didn't happen. But, you know, I really, really enjoyed the weekend. We've got another weekend coming up in Mexico. We're just going to have a very, very quick preview of that just to just to predictions for it. 
I'm going to read out the basic track info first. So we're off to Mexico at the Formula One Grand Premio de la Ciudad de Mexico. Sorry that I sound like I'm reading that. It's because I absolutely am reading that. The length of the circuit is 4.304 kilometres. We're going to have 71 laps there, which makes the total race distance of 305.354 kilometres. The record currently held by Valtteri Bottas in 1 minute 17.774. And the first Grand Prix was in 1963. We had a massive absence as well. And obviously it came back quite recently. Over, over the last few years thanks to the Mexican driver Sergio Perez and his popularity it's a really fantastic circuit I really enjoy it uh, it's got a great atmosphere I'd love to go and sit in that the stadium area that just looks fantastic are you excited to see the Mexican Grand Prix Chloe? I am definitely excited to see these last few races of the season. I'll actually be racing myself next week and so I'll try to get a few wow. looks at it <laughs> while I'm out. But yeah, I mean, I've, I have I was really excited to go to that track. Like you said, the stadium part just mm. looks so cool. And yeah, I mean, I think for Checo, that'll be a really good race for him. And yeah, I mean, I would say I hope that he does well there of everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm going to, in my predictions, I'm going to put him on first, even though he probably won't, but I'm going to put him on first anyway. Sean, what, are you, what about you? Are you looking forward to Mexico? Uh, yes, and I'm going to put Checo in first place on merit. But uh, yes, I'm looking forward to Mexico. I think it's a good track. Like I said, it, the, the the altitude makes it a great leveler for the engines and a huge question on strategy because there's very, very long straights and 90 degree corners. Typically, that wouldn't necessarily mean super high downforce, but the air is so thin that you almost get Monaco spec downforce in some of the cars just to get them around the corners because there's mm. no air. It's a fascinating strategic option, battle. It should be good fun. It's a good track. Good chance for overtakes. And yeah, it looks like one of the biggest parties of, of the year. Yeah. So I, I, like, I'd love to see Checo win. I actually genuinely think on pace he could do it. It's a bit of a street circuit and he's been a bit of a master of the street circuits this mm. year. Those tight, twisty corners really seem to benefit him, especially in the race, because a lot of other drivers munch their tires in those sorts of scenarios and he is incapable of munching his tires. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 could see, I could see Checo having a good weekend. I could also see Max, to be honest, letting him pass on lap 70. <laughs> yeah, you could be right. Steph, is it an exciting race for you? I do enjoy Mexico, yeah, I do enjoy it. I don't know if I'm excited for the rest of the races for the season because I feel like it should come to an end, like, so soon. I mean, yeah, they're great tracks, and, and Mexico is one of them, and I really do enjoy it. It's very technical with the strategy. Maybe Hannah will prevail and come through like she always does that's I the strategist max... for anyone that didn't know just to just <laughs> sorry yeah i should have said <laughs> yeah I, I think max will do really well but i do believe that perez will come first and max comes second just because i feel that they're going to want max to win his home race and max has already won the championship you know they doesn't need the points the team yeah, don't, don't really need exactly. the points now so yeah and it would be really nice for Perez to come second in the championship do you get what I mean and 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 really sort of fortify that as well so Max first Perez second for me and I think Charles will DNF this weekend <gasps> oh sorry Ferrari fans I'm sorry. I feel like I'm swearing, and 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 I think probably um, are to the Ferrari fans. Let's yeah. be honest. And I, and I and I think that that signs will come through third. Okay, okay. So, okay, let, let's make your predictions then, Sean. While you're there, yeah, I'm gonna say we're all. I'm probably all gonna say Checo in first. But go on, carry on. Uh, the rest. Yes, I am going to leave Checo in first. The second, third is a tough one. I think Charles Leclerc's gonna come second. Jokes aside, I thought on Sunday that was championship level drive. That was absolutely brilliant. That's the kind of caliber of racecraft 
overtakes, arms out battling, tire management that he needs if he wants to challenge for the championship next year. I think that was a great... I could see him doing what Nico Rosberg did in 2015 and springboarding into next year with a brilliant run of results. So I could see him being second. And I am going to say Lando Norris in third, just to, for Ooh. something different. That'd be nice. I'd like that. I wouldn't mind that at all. Okay, Chloe, can you make your predictions for the weekend? Yeah, so I would like to see Perez in first. I think it's going to be a case of Max will like lead basically the entire thing and then mm. they'll do some Oof. sort of team orders thing. <laughs> but in that case, I do think it would be Verstappen second and then third. I would like to see signs in third just to kind of, you know, make up for, for Austin. But mm. yeah, I think it could really be either Ferrari driver. Yeah, uh, and I'm gonna go, gonna go boring as well. We're, we're probably all predicting the same thing. I, 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 I'm, I'm in agreement with you about the whole Checo thing and him being let through. I just think, you know, it would make sense for Red Bull to try and get him second in the championship, yeah, and obviously that that's the best way of doing it, giving him the most points. Max have got nothing to prove now, so yeah, makes makes total sense for, to, to to let him through if they're in that position. Obviously, they've got to be in that position in the first place, but let's hope that does happen. So it'll be Checo, Max. And then I'm going to put, I'm going to, you know, what, I'm going to put Lando on the on the podium as well. Let's let's see Lando on his podium too. Cool. Well, that's the Mexican preview. Obviously, it's a very just quick kind of predictions for it. We hope it's a good race. It, it usually is. It's, it's given us some great racing over the years that it's been back. And long may it continue. Hopefully, the new cars will will do it justice. Now we have we are here now to to talk to Chloe Chambers, who is our guest of honor today. You told us you. you, you I mean, you're still very young. <laughs> you started young, but you're still very young as it is. But can you tell us about how you got into to motorsport in the first place? Yeah, so, I mean, since I can remember, I've been watching Formula One just on the weekends with my dad. He's been a big Formula One fan all his life. And so, naturally, I, I just kind of grew up watching it. But that was about it. And then my dad was always interested in cars and motorsport. And he had his car that he would go and take out for, like, track days and autocross events. So I would kind of go along with him to some of those events and get to see everybody driving around the tracks and everything and get to help him work on his car and do that sort of thing. And I enjoyed doing that, but at seven years old, I wanted to drive too, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I can't drive a car that young, obviously. Mm. So, I mean, I had told my parents like, oh, I want to drive, but <laughs> yeah. So they started kind of just researching go-karting places because my dad had kind of known that karting is the way that professional drivers get into, you know, higher levels in motorsport. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I just started go-karting near my house. I lived in New York at the time. And since then, I mean, it's sort of just taken off really. Yeah, have you had any great successes when you were in karting, that sort of thing? Did, did you did you win any races slash championships slash other? Yeah, I definitely won a ton of races. I won a bunch of championships. I think one of my more notable races was uh, the Super Nats that happens in Las Vegas every year. Right. I mean, Max Verstappen's raced in it before. Most, oh, okay. A lot of the Formula One drivers have raced in it before. I think everybody talks about Michael Schumacher racing in it. And it's basically the biggest kart race and one of the biggest kart races in the world. And it's get, it gets a ton of attendance. And I finished third at the race. Almost won it. It was almost... I, I mean, I was like 10th off of winning it but oh, wow. uh I, that was that was definitely a huge springboard into like kind of the next thing after that oh, so what was the next thing after that so after that well 
after that, it was 2020. So it kind of was that COVID year. So I didn't right. do a whole lot of racing during that year. I did a couple of races in carts, but mm-hmm. at that point we were sort of just trying to see what would happen with everything. And luckily in 2021, I got a ride in formula four in the United States. So that was a good kind of, I guess, step into cars from karting and then after that, that kind of got me enough, you know, notoriety to get seen by a W series. And yeah, I mean, I was invited to a test in Arizona mm-hmm. for W series that was held earlier on this year. And then that test in Barcelona. And then after that, I guess just, you know, doing the entire season. What was the jump from carts into cars like? Was it a, a difficult thing to kind of get used to? So actually I found that there was more differences than I guess everybody kind of makes it out to seem. Hmm. I definitely had a lot to learn. And I mean, there was even a bigger step when I went into doing stuff with the W series. I had only raced in the United States. Well, I had kind of gone through the United States and Canada a little bit in karting, Hmm. but I guess being in that uh, like European environment and racing on the F1 calendar was a huge step. And it was definitely a good experience. We said at the very side that you raced for, for Generating. That was probably a, a, a good experience, uh, racing alongside Jamie Chadwick, who I suppose now is the three-time champion, isn't she, with the mm-hmm. season folding. So how did that process come about? Like, how did you meet Caitlyn Jenner? And how, how did you, I suppose, get found by this? Well, Jenner Racing was announced before, I think right when I was doing that test in Arizona. So I was right. just starting to do my tests with W Series. And that's when the Jenner team was announced. And I mean, at this point I was like, oh, perfect. An American team. I'm the only American driver for this year. And it'll be basically a perfect fit. I couldn't see myself racing with any other teams. So I guess before I went to Barcelona, I had kind of, I guess, presumed that I would probably be racing for the Jenner racing team. And then in Barcelona, they... Like, I mean, well, they put the top 12 drivers or the top 10 drivers into... I guess top nine, top nine drivers into their teams. Mm. And so they had their cars and then the rest of the drivers kind of like shared whatever the second car of the team was. And so I, I was put in the second Jenner car and already I was like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. I had American team owner, American driver. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, after Barcelona, that's when like teams were starting to be get become announced and we started kind of discussing with some of the people at W series about what teams we would all run with. And I mean, naturally I went with the Jenner team, which I wasn't surprised about. And I actually went to Caitlin's house in California in May, right before, or March, late March, right before Miami. And Hmm. that was the first time I had met her. And uh, I mean, it was really cool because I mean, the Jenner name is such a household name in the United States. And I guess being able to like go to school and tell my friends like, oh yeah, I'm racing for Caitlyn Jenner's team. They all know who that is. Mm. And so they can kind of like relate and see how big motorsports is. Did you notice it have like a, a big uptake in, in the US where these kind of more, I suppose, European sports, Formula One, Formula Four, Formula Three might not be as big as obviously say like NASCAR and IndyCar. Do you think Caitlyn Jenner being such an integral part, you guys won the championship with Jamie. Do you think it'll have a, a big impact on racing in, in America in general, female female drivers in America taking up the sport a bit more? Do you think it's had a, a positive impact like that? Yeah, I think definitely having Caitlyn 
you know, join the W series and work with them. It's definitely been very beneficial to motorsports in America, as well as female in motorsports. Mm. And I think the Drive to Survive series also has had a huge impact on just Formula One. I know a lot of my friends who have previously never really even been into like NASCAR or IndyCar started mm. kind of watching Drive to Survive and then they were like, oh, this is cool. And so they started watching Formula One. And then yeah. like, I mean, naturally, I guess they fell into like the rabbit hole of like Formula Two and Formula Three and getting into all the junior series and all the other series that race in the US. So it's definitely been really cool for me to see. I mean- when I was younger, like I could talk about racing and nobody would even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I think it it's cool to see motorsports growing so much in a place where, I mean, it's kind of been not so prevalent. Steph. Yeah. So obviously we're, we're on a video chat now. I, I can see you and sort of you're into your life as far as, as much as what we can see on the camera. And I can't help but feel that you just look like a normal, you know, the bedroom is like a normal teenager's bedroom. I mean, there's a few helmets dotted around and I love that, but it it, you, it literally just looks like a normal teenager's bedroom. And and <laughs> when you go to school, is that the same? Do you get treated as a normal sort of student and, and do your friends and the people at school sort of treat you as, as anyone else? Or do, do you see that difference? And, and how do you sort of go about sort of balancing that? Yeah, I in school actually is the one place where like people kind of aren't phased whenever I do something really cool. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like I, I did, I did a thing with America's Got Talent and I mean, everybody knows who, what America's Got Talent is. And I guess like all my classmates were just kind of like, okay, <laughs> my <laughs> teachers were more, you know, like spoke it outspoken and like asked me all these questions, but it's kind of weird to like, go to school and you do something really cool and everybody else in the world is like super ecstatic about it and they want to ask so many questions and then you go to school and all your classmates are just like oh yeah that's Chloe <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I get that I get that yeah how do you balance the education stuff then obviously you're flying away to races or you know you were with, with W Series flying away to, to, to these races and it, it, it was it difficult to kind of stay on top of all your schoolwork as well as obviously take part in all these racing yeah I think I grew up just going to public school, just regular in-person public school all my life and also racing and traveling at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it kind of got to a point where I almost just naturally knew how I was supposed to get things done. And it was good to be able to like get my school out of the way earlier this year. Um, mm. I mean, now I'm doing university, but like, I mean, solely online, I don't have to go in person right. so I can do that really easily while I'm away. But I guess while I was in, while, while I was doing in-person school was a lot of other people would say that it seemed really hard for me, but I think I just naturally figured out what I was supposed to do. And it's like, I didn't have to think about it anymore, really. Now let's talk about, obviously you, you're a woman, you're in motorsport. We've heard lots and lots of kind of back and forth about how difficult it actually is for women and i completely can see that that it is have you you personally ha had that experience of going through your motorsport career have you been kind of maybe looked down upon because you are a woman or has it given you some advantages maybe obviously w series has been a massive advantage putting you in a big limelight as well so what have been the positive and negatives for yourself i would say one of I guess a little bit of what everybody in racing will struggle with is the financials of everything i guess 
being able to get the money together to go testing and gain that experience that you need to be quick in a car. And I think that's difficult for everybody, but there's kind of, I mean, obviously there's lesser women, so you're seen a little bit more, Mm -hmm. but because there's such a big pool of men who also race, you're kind of competing in, I guess, a little bit of, I mean, it's like, it's like you're swimming upstream, you know? And, uh, That's been one of the challenges. However, I also think that because there's not many women in motorsport and you can get that recognition, it's a lot easier to get into things like W Series. I mean, obviously W Series is only for women, but Mm. now the FIA is doing some other things to help women in motorsport, such as the FIA F3 test that happened earlier this year at Magni Core. Mm -hmm. That was just a female only test. And that was one of the huge things that I did this year that was super duper beneficial for myself in developing my driving. And yeah, I mean, the one thing I always like to say, it's something that I've kind of noticed since go-karting is that I guess the best drivers who I've raced against don't care what your gender is. They just, Mm. I mean, everybody wants to win and those best drivers just are racing solely for the purpose of winning. They're not thinking, oh, well, she's the girl. Let me just beat her and that'll be okay. Mm. And, you know, when I race against those types of people, it's those have been the best races I've ever had. And what was the test like at Magnacors? Was it, was the F3 car just an, another step up from the W Series cars? It was definitely a huge step up, yeah. It just has so much more downforce, so much more grip with the tire. And, I mean, I've never driven the track before as well, so there was a lot to take in. But I think it'll definitely, I guess, put me in a good position to go into FIA F3 at some point in the future. Brilliant. Sure. First of all, I'm a little bit jealous. I love Mangy Car. I'd love to see it back in the F1 track. It was a great track. It was much better than the Castellet. Speaking of the <laughs> Castellet, though, obviously the W Series uh, has wrapped. You scored points in your rookie season. Congratulations on that. So which was your favorite race of the season? You know, I really liked Miami because, I mean, it's in the U.S. It was relatively close to home. <laughs> and... <laughs> It was the first time anybody's raced at that circuit. It was the first race of the year. So everybody was kind of going in on a level playing field in terms of just not knowing the circuit. Mm. I think the atmosphere that they had going on in Miami was really cool. And being able to have some of my family out with me for that race, you know, obviously very helpful for my first race and going into this brand new thing. And yeah, I mean, I think had we gone to... Austin, that probably would have been my most favorite race. But yeah, yeah, I I would have to say Miami for now. And actually, the W Series race was a brilliant race compared to the Formula One race that we got to witness, unfortunately. But but, well, fortunately for W Series, it was fantastic. You know, obviously a a safety car kind of helped with that as well. But it was, yeah, it was was really entertaining. And and you all did a a fantastic job of wowing the crowd. Certainly. I think kind of put W Series in the spotlight in a good way for for America to see. Steph, you got another question? Something? Yeah. So you you just briefly touched then that you it would put you know that this test would put you in good stead for going into F three in in the future. Is that just where you want to be? What what do you imagine? What pops into your mind? What is it that you dream about doing? And what's your sort of end goal to all of this? My end goal has always been Formula One. So that's where I would like to end up some somewhere in the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm only 18 now, so I have time and I am looking at trying to get into FIA F3 for 2024. So I'm hoping in the next, I guess, two years, year after next year, I'll be in FIA F3 by that time. Wow. 
Let's hope so. That would so. be amazing. Mm. Yeah. Like you said, like you said, you definitely have time. Bear in mind, Nick DeVries is only debuting in Formula One now, and he's twenty-seven. So <laughs> you've got the best part of a decade on him. It's loads of time. Everyone thinks you know you need because of Max Verstappen. A lot of people think, oh, you have to be a teenager to be in for, to be a debutant in Formula One. Absolutely not the case. So very best yeah. of luck. We hope to see you on the grid very soon. In terms of obviously next year, there's always a big going to be a big question mark over the W Series. Hopefully they get the funds. We really, really hope they do because we've loved the W Series. They've been really good for us and it's been a really entertaining series to watch. But have you heard any more about the F1 women's feeder series? Would that some, be something that would maybe PK your interest next year or if they get that up and running and W Series doesn't get up and running? Yeah, so for that F1 series, I have really only heard just what I've seen on in the news about it. So I know just about as much as everybody else knows about it. I think whichever series wants me there the most is the series <laughs> that I'll go with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, everybody at W Series seems confident that they'll be back next year. And I mean... I have to still wait around and see what happens with that because I I presume that I would be back in W Series next year. However, that's not confirmed. It's I mean, I would like you. to be racing with the F1 series or on the F1 circuit again. I think that's a really good place to race and it's a good place for me personally to race as F1 is my end goal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, as of right now, I'm kind of just looking around to what I can outside of w series and the f1 series because i i have to kind of have backup plans just in case those two don't pan out of course of course what, what was it like then following the f1 series as well this year it must have been just it must have gone from very small kind of karting and, and therefore kind of audiences must have been a lot smaller than obviously the f1 audiences it must have just been crazy following the circus that is f1 this year Yeah, it was definitely really, really cool. Mm. I enjoyed seeing, I guess, being able to travel to all these places. And I mean, most of the countries that I've been to this year, I haven't even been to before. So Mm. let alone race in. But yeah, I mean, just to have all the Formula One fans and have the track, you know, up to basically the best that they can make it for the F1 weekend. And I guess just seeing the atmosphere around the track and, you know, that was that was just really cool to see, especially going to Miami. That was my first F1 race I've ever been to. <laughs> mm. So I I guess it was kind of funny to say like, oh yeah, I'm going to my first F1 race, but I'm also racing in the support series for it on, at the same weekend. <laughs> Brilliant. Steph? So obviously traveling around is very stressful at times and can be very tiring. What, what do you do for yourself to sort of unwind from all of that to sort of just calm down and take a breath and and catch up with the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely stressful, especially trying to get school done at the same time. I guess I've been used to doing this so much and I sort of like, while I'm away, I always keep in touch with everybody back home anyways. So there's not Mm -hmm. much for me to catch up on when I come back. I mean, I guess all my friends are off at school and doing their thing. So I don't see them much either way. My family comes with me to most of my races. My dad does at least. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I guess my family has been so centered around racing. And I mean, I have two other siblings and they have all their activities as well. So they're they're traveling often as well. So it, I think our family just in itself is a little bit of a circus as well (laughs) with how much like how much stuff we have going on so yeah I think 
we're just all kind of used to it at this point. So what do you do to unwind when you're not thinking about motorsport? Are you just a normal teenager that does normal teenager things? Yeah, that's that's how I would put it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess in the little bit of off time I have between school and racing and preparing for races and that sort of thing, I guess I do like to sleep. <laughs> so I definitely make sure I catch up on my sleep when I get back. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I enjoy watching like, you know, Netflix and YouTube and that sort of thing. Normally it kind of comes back into like racing, but... <laughs> mm. But yeah, I mean, I, I I enjoy talking to my friends and that sort of thing. So I guess outside of if you take away every single thing that has to do with racing in my life, I am just a normal teenager. <laughs> <laughs> what is it you're watching on Netflix currently or what would you recommend? So right now, actually, I'm on a series called Manifest. Ooh, um, is that about the plane? I haven't it's seen about that. the plane Very that good. went missing. Good show. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like right in almost into the second season, right at the end of the first season. I and yeah, I mean, it's it's been such a time suck. <laughs> well, it's it's a good series to watch while you're flying to a race. <laughs> oh no! Why'd you say that? No. I can imagine. So what would you do to inspire the next generation of female drivers out there that wanted to get into the sport? I would say to them that, I mean, you can, you can do it if you really want to do it and you put your heart to it and you work hard at it and you learn a lot, you can pretty much do whatever you want. I would say, I guess, don't shy away from opportunities, you know, take everything that you can and use it to your advantage to develop and make sure you spend a lot of time outside of the car while you're, I guess, home or whatever you're doing to make sure you go out and find sponsorships and other opportunities to go racing. And I mean, that's a struggle with a lot of drivers. Every driver struggles with just getting funding and finding a place to race. And I think especially for women in motorsport, there are so many good opportunities that kind of get overlooked. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have a, <laughs> it's going to be pretty hard, but, and you have a lot to learn, but I mean, I would say, I mean, you can do it. It's believe in yourself, it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Believe in yourself. Take everything that you can as a learning opportunity, even if it is a loss. And yeah, I mean, if you try your best, I guess at the end of the day, you can't be disappointed. Hmm. Sean. I wanted to run some by you. I had a question because you share quite an interesting thing in common with a couple of Formula One world champions for the, like Lewis Hamilton and Kimi Raikkonen. You're a Guinness world record holder, are you not? I am. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, so that happened in 2020 while I wasn't racing so much. And I got a message from the production company saying like, oh, we, there's this German car company and they want you to set a world record. So that's kind of all I knew at this point in time. Wow. And I was like, okay, I was trying to think of all the German car companies. And I was like, wow, I really <laughs> hope it's Porsche. <laughs> and luckily enough, like that next week, they told us that it was with Porsche and that they would organize everything for the record to take place. And their idea for the record was to do the slalom and so this record was held by somebody else previously who had like a race prepped car and everything and we i mean porsche wanted the record to be done in a stock car that somebody could just buy and it'll be used to kind of show the capabilities of the car and everything and mm. obviously get me some publicity and yeah i mean it was it happened in august so the weather was 
a huge factor in this record. So we kind of waited a long time for it to happen because we had to wait for the clouds to come over. So it, so the surface wasn't too hot. The airport that I did it at, there was like paint in the middle of the airport runway for the planes to come in. So that made it a little bit more difficult because we hadn't, they hadn't gone out and checked it beforehand and they had already booked the airport for, for the day. And yeah, that was a little bit of a shock. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how, if this is going to happen today, but yeah, I mean, we, it was really cool to work with Portia and it was kind of a full circle moment for me because I had grown up watching my dad drive his 944 turbo around, you know, doing autocross and track day events. And I mean, for my dad too, it was really cool for him to be there and see it happen. And yeah, I, I think in the video, like he comes up at the end and hugs me. So he got his little five seconds of fame in the video. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I've spoken. Yeah. To, I've spoken to your dad as well. He's a he's a very nice guy. So <laughs> I, I I can vouch for his yeah his niceness. Uh, what, he's definitely definitely a cool guy. What what was the car? Was it was it a Boxer a seven one eight? It was a seven eighteen Spider. Very nice. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And what was yeah. the what was the record? Sorry, because I don't think it's been mentioned yet. It was forty seven seconds and forty five milliseconds. Wow. wow. Very good. Ah, uh-huh. that's a well, cool thing. That uh, that's. I'd like guess- to. I'd like to break a record. That's certainly <laughs> something that everyone wants to do in their life. So congratulations on that. Let's hope it kind of stands for a long, long time. I think we could probably wrap up this podcast now because I think we've kind of exhausted our questions. We've probably exhausted Chloe as well. Unfortunately, it's in the afternoon for her, so she's got the rest of her day to get over it. We've got to go to bed now over here in the UK. But thank you very much for coming to chat to us, Chloe. Yep. Thank you for having me. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Do you want to promote anything while you're here? Any you so you want to promote your socials or anything else that you might do be doing that, that you want people to go and catch you up? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Chloe Chambers Racing and on Twitter at Chloe C Racing. Brilliant. Head over there, give her a like, follow, share, and see what she's up to in the future. We are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We're also on our website, www.everythingf1.com. And of course, you're listening to us on this podcast now. So please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service so you get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. I've been James Tiller. My two co-hosts have been Steph and Sean. Thanks very much again. Thanks very Thank much. you, James. Once again, thank our guest, Chloe Chambers, for coming on and speaking to us today. Thank you very much, Chloe. Thank you. We've got a very special episode where we're going to speak to Sebastian Bawemi at the end of the week. I think Sean's definitely doing it. I'm a, I'm a maybe at the moment. I'm trying to get out of work to uh, to do it, but we've got Sebastian Bawemi to chat to. So that'll be a, uh, a special episode of the podcast coming later on in the week. Keep your ears peeled for that. And we'll speak to you next week where we review the Mexican Grand Prix. All that's left for me to say is goodbye. Bye-bye, everyone. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.